Welcome to Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm Jen Taylor, your host. I am mom of 18, and you can find me on momsrunningit.com. Remember, give a shout out to those who are brave enough to share their stories with us on how they have become parents. Let's dive right in. Welcome to Becoming Parents. I today am with Katie Barnett, and we are a not enough coffee in quite yet, but we're excited to be here. How are you? I'm great. I've got three kids in school and I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> I, see, I don't know the ages. We haven't even discussed any of that. I love being pleasantly surprised by my guests and being like, oh, it's my first time knowing. So all three are in school? All three at the same school now, which is like, it's the what? one year it's going to happen unless I always say, unless my oldest takes a really long time to graduate college, which I, I encourage. <laughs> I'm like, stay there as long as possible. Um, but yeah, all three kindergarten, third grade and fifth grade right now. So next year will be a little crazier, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. You just figure it out too. I mean, yeah, we, you, it is easier to have them all in the same school, but when it switches, you're like, yeah, we'll figure it out, but they're all in school. So honestly though, how does that feel? It's wild. Honestly, it is wild. I yeah. went through like a full on grieving period okay. over my kids no longer being little. And it, it coincided with other things dealing with depression from, you know, COVID and all, all like yeah. so much happening we homeschooled for a year. I have like a master's in education. So I was like, I'm going to be so good at this. And I was so bad at it. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> My kids are like, never again. I'm like, you guys, you want to do the thing where we have like a motor home and we just travel around and we can homeschool. And they're like, no, <laughs> they hated it. They hated it. So, um, yeah, I kind of like, going through all of that and um, just a lot of big things happened in our community. We had big fires burned down entire towns near us. Um, and it was happening both in, well, I'm in Northern California, my parents in Southern California, it happened kind of the whole state at once. My husband's a firefighter. And so yeah. in all of that, I felt like, I think we all do. You just feel like you missed it, you know? Yeah. It goes so fast it's so intense. You're just kind of like trying to get through each day. And I'm one of these people who I like, I got my tubes tied because I knew I would keep getting myself pregnant. Like I just wanted all the babies. And, um, and I also knew that my husband wasn't going to take himself in at any point. So, I mean, he would, he'd say he would, but he wasn't, he wasn't doing it. So I was going to keep having babies. And then it was like, I am a, I feel like I'm a better mom to babies. And so here are these kids in this stage that is so analytical and so literal, you know, and I felt like I had just missed all of their cute little baby times. And I would have to go back and watch videos to remind myself that I was there. I was, you know, being the mom that I always said I wanted to be, but it's hard because you're just in this blur. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, really sad about this. Like, I felt like, I felt like I had just done it wrong and somehow missed 
the three best years that I had looked my let forward to my entire life. And um, it's really just been in the last year because my youngest was in TK last year um, where I started to kind of like the, the fog lifted a little bit. And I was like, no, we're in, now we're in this phase of life. And I don't get to miss this phase of life, feeling sorry about having that phase of life be over. But it's like this club yeah. that you graduate out of. And it's so like, it's not sad, but it's, there's beauty in it. But until you kind of recognize that beauty, I remember like my friends being pregnant after I had had my third baby. And it's like, suddenly I feel like I'm, I don't belong in that club anymore. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I've it's done so hard. <laughs> the best advice I ever got my oldest daughter's 30. And I, it's so weird. Cause I'm 30. Like it just goes by <laughs> so fast like how how is that possible and the best advice I was ever given was to cherish every moment it was kind of like an impassing thing but I took it really to heart and I cherished every moment and it was a blink it doesn't even when you're really trying to be present and there are times on my kids talk like I remember when we got into we did this and we did this and I was like was I even there I was a stay-at-home mom for like over a decade was I I don't think I was even there and I know I was there and you're trying. So even when you're cherishing it and you're there and you're very present, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it. You know, what's wild too, is like, as you start to listen to your kids talk about their favorite moments and you realize that it's not the big exciting trip that you took them on it's never like the day that you planned you know this birthday party for a you know three months straight and it went great it's like with my youngest son it's the night he had the stomach flu (laughs) and I made a bed on the floor we were living with my parents at the time and I made a bed on the floor in our room it was just before Christmas and we watched Elf until like four o'clock in the morning while he puked like every five minutes, but it was the best night of his little life. Like he's always like, mom, can we do that again? And I'm like, I did not exactly enjoy that night. <laughs> it sucks. The things that they remember, I'm like, of all the stuff that we've done, that's, that's what's sticking out to you. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I baked from scratch every birthday cake every birthday cake, right? Except one. Um, but when my, when my 30 year old daughter was in high school, she's like, mom, you baked me this cake. There was this one cake that you did sunflowers on. And I let them look through books. Cause it was kind of, we didn't have tons of internet back then and pick out the picture. And then I would do it. And I wasn't awesome at it, but I did a really good job. And it meant a lot to me, right? Less sugar. It was healthy. Eat all the cake. And this cake, I, we had to go back. I went back in her pictures and I'm like, sunflower. Like, I don't remember that. She was six. Her sister was two. And I was very, very pregnant. And it was the only year I bought a cake. Like, seriously, <laughs> I've made you like at this point, 16 cakes and bought one. And she's like, that pretty much sums it up. And I'm like, that, that sums it up that sums it up like the one year in 18 years that I bought a cake it was your favorite cake <laughs> and as a mom you're like why did I do 
drive <laughs> all this time and it's important too it probably is like one of those things that's like stressing you out as you're like oh I've got to make this cake I've got to make this cake you know and it's special to you and it's both dumb. they'll talk about it but like yeah of not course. like you it's think fun. they remember the elf and throwing up all night perfect yeah. that's one of the best memories yeah. you you guys got married and you decided to have a baby and I, I know a snippets about your story. You lost that first baby. I don't know how many weeks pregnant you were or what that was like. Um, and then oddly you, you went through infertility. So yeah. let's jump back into that. Did you lose one pregnancy? Did you? Um, one that was like, I lost very early pregnancies, you know, so I went, okay. I was in the rabbit hole of TTC. And if you know, you know, and so, um, actually we, we weren't married yet. We had been together okay. for about nine years. We were living together and I had an incredible doctor who, um, was great when it comes to hormones and everything. And I had endometriosis, very gnarly endometriosis. Um, and so we had done a surgery. It was actually after my second surgery, um, because it had come back so quickly that my doctor said, you know, I don't know where you guys are at. And I remember my mom, my mom's like very by the book, religious Christian, um, sitting there and she was with me for whatever reason. And, and he said, I don't know where you guys are at, but in truth, having a baby is one of the things that we know can be like almost a cure for an endometriosis, you know? So go home, talk to Brian, see where you guys are at. Like, it seems like you guys are planning on spending the rest of your lives together, which we were, he's just a very slow committer. <laughs> and, um, and so we decided, okay, well, when this round of treatment, I actually had to do um, six months of, uh, it's basically chemically induced menopause. So I went through menopause at like 25, 26 years old, um, which was a lot of fun. And, um, and so then we decided that we were going to try and get pregnant first month, wake up. It was St. Patrick's day, take a test and it's positive. And I was just absolutely elated, you know, and we, we spent the day just in awe of the fact, like, we're going to have a baby, this is happening. And, um, yeah, it, I, lo I lost, it, I lost the baby around eight weeks. Um, and it was kind of one of those things where I was taking tests all the time and started to notice the line kind of starting to fade and then went to the doctor and we did blood tests. My HCG was dropping. Um, and so, but, but for me, like I come from a family where nobody had miscarriages and I was having babies at a time when none of my friends were trying, you know, now my story is like nothing compared to some of the horribly sad stories that my friends have been through. And, and, but at the time it was not at all a possibility. And I was very like broken by this lost the baby. And then went into, we did Clomid for three months. We did, um, you know, and that's, as long as you can do it, we did all kinds of therapy. Um, and I just couldn't get pregnant again, uh, I, no matter what we did. So then I started, uh, taking my temperature, which if you've done this, you, basically... Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like sex on a schedule. Yes. It's I awful. have, I have done that. Yes. 
it's all and then sex itself just becomes I'm like every night and he's like seriously and I'm like you're supposed to like this <laughs> it's so different you can love it the day before but the second I used to do the basal body temperature I did Clomid I went through seven surgeries so I did that round of fun you feel like a psychopath I don't know if you did but Clomid made me like feel like someone was possessing my body I hated who I was I hated how I felt and then we did sex every other day yeah and you're recording your temperature and it is a chore it goes yeah. from like the funnest thing ever to like an absolute chore that you're dreading and then you're just like, I don't know if you did this, but I would like study my chart. Like you can tell nothing on day 12 nothing. of the chart, but you're just like studying this chart and comparing it to all these other women. And there's like an entire world of people doing this. Yep. And to take your temperature alone, you have to wake up, don't move. Like you can't get up and go to the bathroom. Right. You cannot move. You hardly yeah. breathe. Right. I think that they have like better ways of doing it now, but back in the day you had to, and then you take it vaginally like without moving or waking up too much. And yeah, it's just, it is such a chore. It is so overwhelming and it just takes up your every single thought. And then as anybody who's tried to get pregnant knows, it's just in and of itself, so exhausting. So just like, I mean, you can get pregnant one or two days out of the month. And then that means like the rest of your life is just spent waiting to either get your period so that you can try again or waiting to see if you're pregnant and then having to go through the, like, I'm pretty sure this is it. This is the month. This is going to, you know, it's going to happen. You're like convinced. And then yep. there it is. It's not happening. And um, so, yeah, it was 18 months of infertility wow. after that first pregnancy. And we were really just um, kind of at the point where we had agreed 18 months and then we'll go see a specialist and have like semen sampled and all of that. Um, and I don't know it just happened. I mean, we just kind of, it just happened. And I don't, I, I don't know why that was a pretty neat, like we were on a really neat, meaningful camping trip that weekend. And I just remember thinking like, I think this went down, which doesn't make sense. And also what I did to myself all the time. Um, and then, so yeah, Jameson, I was, I got pregnant with my first Jameson and about, I think we were maybe eight or nine weeks in and I started bleeding like very heavily. And so we thought for sure that we had lost him. Um, and I'm not really sure they didn't really say what it was, whether it was like a twin or, you know, just a pocket or what, but he was, he was just fine. Um, but I, then because of that, because of all of it, I just, I loved being pregnant, but I also just didn't like live life during that time. I was so scared of everything, you know? So, which I think anybody who struggles with getting pregnant, it's kind of like, you just don't want to rock the boat at all. So there wasn't a lot of exercise. <laughs> I did a really good job. I think I gained like 74 pounds or something. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Yeah. Not afraid of food, everything else, totally afraid of. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I understand, I understand that the terrorists, you almost have like miscarriage PTSD. Yeah. You're waiting for it. You're just waiting for the other shoe to drop and you're you're holding off your attachment because you, yeah, it's, it is super hard. You got pregnant, like you have a two-year space, right? If I'm remembering, yeah. okay. So that pregnancy went fine. You, and then you had, 
three, I know you've had three kids and three natural births, but they looked very different. Was that in part because the pregnancies were so different or because you grew because you, because the first time you go through it, you're like, this is how it's going to be, but you don't really, you haven't experienced it yet. Yeah. So it's important to have a birth plan and have things like if you want natural childbirth, it's important to try to do it the way you want to do it, not having ever experienced it before. Yeah. Yeah. I had a pretty specific birth plan. I had thought about doing a home birth for a while, you know, and, um, we do things pretty natural and, and I, we decide like my husband is he's, he's Cal fire. He's EMT, like all this stuff. He, he just was going to lose his mind if we weren't in a hospital setting. And okay. as it turns out, I like both my son and I may have not made it had we not been in a hospital setting. Um, okay. And so my water had broke. I was very way past my due date and um, I was group strep B positive. And so I, we, we made it into the hospital in the afternoon. My water had been broken since that morning, but I was not in labor at all. And I just remember the doctor, we have this, the most amazing doctor. He just retired this year and I'm so sad, even though it means nothing to me, but um, he got to deliver all three of my babies, which is insane. And um, he came in, it was midnight and I still wasn't contracting. And I was like, I think I'm in labor. I think I am. Cause I would like feel, feel a little bit. And he's like, Katie, you're smiling. You're not in labor. Like this is not going down. And I had a nurse who I think the world of labor and delivery nurses. Okay. They are like, some of them are my best friends. Like these people are just heaven sent. And every single one I've ever dealt with has been amazing except for my first one. <laughs> I guess she was going through a hard time and she had been told that I really wanted a natural birth, which I did. Um, but she was very against me getting on Pitocin. And so I just kept walking and walking and walking and walking, but nothing was happening. My doctor finally said like, I know this isn't your plan. Cause I was like, I do not want Pitocin. That was the one thing I knew that I absolutely did not want. I knew it was going to make it much more painful. Um, and he said, you, you can keep walking and you can see if this is going to happen on its own. But at 7 a.m. tomorrow, we're going to have to do a C-section if you don't go into labor, you know? And I was just, after talking with him, I'm like, okay, let's do the Pitocin. And um, she was not happy with that. It was just so interesting. And I didn't know how to advocate for myself at that point. I was just like, what is happening? My whole world is about to change. I remember laying in the bed and my husband, like they have me on the Pitocin now. My nurse is like barely talking to me. She's got the lights off in the room. Okay. And I'm like, turn the freaking lights on. Like, I don't want to sit here in the dark right now. You know. And she kept turning the lights off and saying that I needed to rest. My husband falls asleep and I'm trying to watch how I met your mother. Cause I'd never seen it. And people told me it was funny. And I still like to this day, I cannot watch that show because it was just like, I just remember looking at him and then just like crying hysterically. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, he's like, what's going on? I'm like, you need to wake up. I cannot be here by myself right now. Like, I don't know what's happening. And uh, it was at that point that I had my first contraction and it went fast. It went very fast. Um, okay. And it was very painful. If you know Pitocin or if you've been on it, they gave me a lot, probably more than I really needed. And um I transitioned in a matter of, I mean, I went from like zero to 10 from four 30 to seven was when I had my son. So it was just like very fast and I'm begging for an epidural. 
<laughs> and it's just like not going to happen. And um, anyways, we made it through. It was not fun. It was not pretty. My husband was just like bouncing off the wall, ping pong ball. Like this is his first baby. He had no idea how to support me. And I'm like, everybody get away from me. And um, my son had shoulder dystocia. So he got stuck um, in the birth canal. And um, that was scary enough because they have to like jump on top of you and push them out. And I'm, I'm just like, in my head, this was all going to be so beautiful and amazing. And I remember pushing and like, somebody said, you're about to meet your baby. And that was like the farthest thing from my mind. I was just in so much pain and so just like, you know, that animalistic, like, but there was no maternal instinct there whatsoever. I was just like, make this stop until like he came out, he was fine aside from like a very crazy shaped head and, um, my placenta wouldn't deliver. So I started losing lots and lots of blood and they kind of just kept waiting for it to deliver. And I had just gotten through all of this. My son was over in like the little bassinet. They're making sure he's okay. And my doctor says, okay, so we can take you into the operating room. Like you're losing too much blood at this point. We can take you into the operating room. We can give you some morphine to do this, or I can just do it right now. And I was like, I just made it through all of this. Like I just made it through all of this. So, and there's my baby. And I, I just want my baby just do it. (laughs) A manual placental removal (laughs) is not it's not a fun thing. And so, um, yeah, I, after that, I was like, listen, I don't care what I say to you. If you have to do that ever again, you can just knock me out. Like that is fine. <laughs> they have to go in. He has to just manually with his right. hand and have to scrape everything out because if they right. leave any piece of the placenta there, you can bleed out and you can hemorrhage and it can happen days later. It can happen, you know, right there. So, um, it was traumatic, you know, and, again, not having been around anybody who had had kind of any of these issues go wrong and especially all of them kind of in one. um, I think I could have used more support and I definitely had some postpartum that I, that went unrecognized because my husband had to go back to work and my mom doesn't believe in any kind of mental health issues. (laughs) she's just kind of like, just doesn't stress out, doesn't like anything. So, um, yeah, no, it was, it was interesting. And, and, but what I got out of it is like, yes, having a birth plan, it's beautiful and amazing. Like having doctors and nurses who can respect your birth plan is amazing, but also just like really trying to focus harder on the healthy outcome of everything than things going exactly the way that you want them to. And that said, some people do have these amazing birth plans that go perfectly and that's great. Mm -hmm. But recently my, one of my best friends had her second and after a perfect birth with her first and um, wound up in an emergency C-section, which was the last thing that she expected. Baby's heart rate kept dropping and then her epidural fell out and, um, they had to put her to sleep because she was like feeling things, you know, and, and just talking with her through that and about how, like, she's just still in shock that it had to be that way, you know, having been knocked out during the birth and 
that affects us, you know, mm. like it really does. These are meaningful moments in our lives. And, and in the end, what matters is that we have these healthy babies, but it's also, it's, it's okay to feel like pain over things, not going the way that you want them to, too. hundred percent, a hundred percent. And when you're in this heat of the moment, and something has to get done and it is life and death. I mean, there's lots of times where women get kind of bullied and pushed into doing it the way that's convenient. And then there are legitimate crises in health of the mom and or the baby and just situations that like it's beyond your control. And I feel like you have to mourn what you lost that you were expecting and, and, and it's crazy stuff. I mean, being told on ultrasound, you're having a boy and giving birth to a girl. You like mourn the loss of the baby you didn't have. You yeah. mourn the loss of the delivery you didn't have. You, it is shock and it's hard on our bodies. That's, that's before that's talking about it. Logically, that's not talking about like the physical healing you have to go through and what your hormones are doing. And that then, oh, by the way, now you're going to go home by yourself and be responsible for another human life that you just created and gave birth to. And you think it's going to be instinctive and beautiful. And it's not always either one of those things. Oh man, I, Jameson, he, we come home from the hospital and his first, you know, you'd go in for your well check a few days later. I didn't bring a diaper bag. <laughs> I didn't bring a diaper bag. Like this tells you like the state that I was in, right? Like I was like barely alive and we go in and um, of course he has like his first huge blowout. And I just remember falling apart. Like in my head, they were going to like bathe him and like clip his nails. Like when I take my dog to the vet, <laughs> nope. I don't know. <laughs> right. It was horrible. These people were looking at me like you, this is, you know, that this is your responsibility now. I'm like, I'm tired. Like I, don't, I didn't know. <laughs> How did, I mean, clearly you get through it. You, you muddle through it. You have a second one that comes two years later, no infertility issues after this. Correct. It's right. interesting how, how big the infertility and how stressful it can be and how much, once you actually are able to get pregnant successfully, have a baby, how much your body's like, Oh, I know what to do now. Like, it's just bizarre. Infertility is so bizarre. Yeah. Well, so, and and just like how I can't tell you how many friends of mine, like they'll adopt and then they get pregnant or yeah, they'll right. like put, spend tons in IVF, fail, 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 pregnant naturally. Like it's just, it is just, it is wild. And it's just it's, like roulette. It's like baby roulette. It's just the most weird thing ever. Yeah. After Jameson, um, I mean, we basically like, we just say like we had a plan and we stuck to it, you know? And so I knew that I wanted to get pregnant again. And the difference this time around, like my husband's schedule was awful. And I think that it played a pretty big part in, you know, on top of just probably my stress and everything else, endometriosis that was keeping me from getting pregnant before. Um, it was also a schedule. He would be gone five days, six days, you know, there if you miss your window, you miss your window. And so 
with both Georgia and Jeremiah, I was like, this is when I'm ovulating. This is when you're taking your days off of work. And I'm not saying that it's going to be that easy for everybody, but it did work for us. And then Georgia had to be induced because of all of the struggle that we went through with Jameson. We were just concerned that um, once she hit 40 weeks, we were we needed to get her out just in case she was bigger and in case, um, basically I have a very small pelvic inside. And so, but, but, and this is the thing, this is the most important thing. I feel like women, we don't know, we don't know how to do it. You have to advocate for yourself. And that does not mean that you have to go in and boss everybody around, but you do get to stand your ground. You do get to, you do get to control things. And it's so crappy that you typically have to go through some trauma before you get to the point where you're willing to advocate for yourself. But if I could like, if I could just go out there and start teaching people to advocate for themselves from day one, I mean, these people are working for you, you know, and they have important jobs. It does, you don't know how to do their job. But with this nurse, I said, look, I know we're starting with Pitocin, but I know that my body also knows how to do this. Like it did it really well the last time it did it fast. And so as soon as I start going into like active labor, I would like as little Pitocin as humanly possible. Right. If you can stop the Pitocin, then I want you to do that. I, cause what Pitocin does is it, it, it basically, it feels mechanical. There's no other way to describe it. It feels so mechanical and you can no longer feel like that, the peaks and lows of labor. And as much as I labor is hard, it hurts really bad, but healing those like peaks and coming down, like it's really can be really beautiful, you know? And and my nurse was amazing. She was really only there when we needed her. We got to get into the tub. I like had learned this weird like motorboat thing for getting through contractions. My husband and I were laughing and listening to Tom Petty on Pandora. And like, it was, it was amazing. But then when it came to pushing, I was terrified. I was just terrified. I was, you know, everybody always says that they're like ready to push and they want to get the baby. I'm like, no, I'm terrified. <laughs> but she was easy. She came out fast and was immediately, she nursed for like a year straight after that. Oh, yeah. It's it's crazy. Did not require any Pitocin, but he was, it it was back labor. So he was like up, not upside down, but like flipped backwards. Right. That felt just like Pitocin. I was like, (laughs) I finally get my natural birth and you're going to get it one way or the other. So, I mean, but it's beautiful. That's like, but that's the most beautiful thing is us women getting to like share these stories with each other. And then it's wild how similar so many of them are. And And I think you're right. You made a point. Like we have to go through trauma advocate for ourselves. I, I really believe that even when you're like, I'm going to advocate and I have this birth plan and I'm sticking to it. You're so unsure because you haven't experienced it before it's like fear of the unknown you haven't given birth before you haven't gone through labor before and so you go in like barrels blazing but then when people say stuff to you you defer because you're afraid i think as a as women in labor you're afraid that what you're pushing for is going to hurt you or your baby and so Also, like our bodies are designed to give birth and focus on that. And parts of your brain actually shut off when you're in labor. So you can't be like, let me think about that for a second and weigh out the pros and cons. Like it doesn't exist anymore. 
it it doesn't exist and that's design it's designed that way you want it you need to focus on what's happening right and so that's why your birth partner and men are awesome not not a put down but when they see this woman that they love trying to give birth to their their child right not generally the best advocate they've oh the parts of their brain then shut off (laughs) (laughs) well i mean they're like they don't want to see you that way it's 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 such a shame because really if they said no you've got this and we're sticking to this and i think it's going to be fine it would eliminate a lot of that but men men go into this holy crap i got to protect my wife and my baby and whatever it takes you get in there and do it and then it all goes to hell in a handbasket you know i mean like then it's it's not what you wanted it was it's been okay so <laughs> couple good stories um I'm like on my hands and knees in transition about ready to push. Right. And I've got, he keeps putting the, the, my robe like over my butt. Right. And I'm like, stop touching me. (laughs) (laughs) He keeps covering me with it. And I'm like, he's like, Katie, I don't think you understand. Like everything's out. And I go, PV is the name of our, our local high school. I go, I don't care if the PV marching band comes through, (laughs) do not touch me right now. (laughs) the next day he's like I don't think you even know the things that you were saying and I was like the PV marching band no no like I I I know and I meant it like I did not care you saw me in that state at that moment like no I yeah I you don't think you think oh no not me and I'm gonna wear this special dress and some people can pull it off some women can pull it off I mean I was naked Every single time I did not. Well, no, that's not true. The first time they told me to put a rope, I did not want anything on me. Like I, but I'm kind of like that normally. Like, I think if I could be naked all the time and no one cared, it was totally normal. I would be like in my happy place. Um, but I, I just couldn't stand to have anything on me. And now I look back at pictures and there's so many great pictures, but like I have nipples everywhere. I'm like, can I, it would be cool if somebody could Photoshop like a sports bra onto me because I'd super <laughs> like to, oh, I, I need your guy. guy. I need your guy. Um, because I hated the thought of having anything on me. And yet I'd like to share some photos that maybe everybody doesn't see nipples in every single picture that I have of my delivery. I so love the though. I love the rawness and the, like, I do too. And Sometimes I'm like, could we have a little less of Jen's nipples? You know, I mean, I think that there's a balance in all that, but I wouldn't have done it differently because I know how I felt in those moments, the PV marching band, actually call them up and invite them to come on in. Don't care. Like, I don't care. Maybe it'll help. You, I'm trying to decide because your husband's a firefighter. I live in Reno, Nevada. So your fires killed us last year killed us so one i appreciate what he does and i also know how hard that can be on a relationship and and how stressful that him being in that job is because there's this fear of what he's doing like losing his life and also i know that during fire season you are parenting by yourself yeah and because i'm sitting here in this bowl of mountains getting all of your fire smoke (laughs) 
like last year was the, one of the single worst years we have ever had for, we couldn't be outside at all. It's the first time I like wanted to wear a mask. <laughs> I was like, oh, like finally these are coming in handy <laughs> because it was so bad. So I understand like navigating all of that. And we like, there's so much we could have, we could have like five podcast podcast episodes because you are very familiar with single parenting with a husband whose job takes him out and the fear of losing him in that similar to paramedics, EMTs, stuff like that, where you just know, you just know it's going to be long, hard days for weeks on end. And um, the challenges behind that. And then also, you know, we, you're an entrepreneur. All the links are below so people can find you. But I think I want to end and I don't like putting people on the spot because I don't like to be on the spot, but I think I'd like to ask you with three kids that are now all in school and some hindsight and retrospect, what advice would you give to the younger you or someone out there that's starting out with little kids or the third one's the hardest, in my opinion, hundred percent always that could make it easier. And then I want you to end on how people can find you. Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. That's I know. It's loaded. You know, um, I think that like one, I don't think that I was told by enough people that what I was doing was incredible. Oh yes. And, you know, God loved my mom. Um, my dad was a fire chief. He was a lifetime firefighter. He was in a city department and that is hard. There, are, there's a difficulty there. But very few things compare to the firewives, especially in California, whose husbands be them in the Forest Service or Cal Fire. It is very different. They do not get the same time off of work. They do not get any kind of care, honestly. And they can be gone. You don't know when they're coming home. And I have one brother who's in the military and granted, I mean, that watching my sister-in-law raise three kids while he was overseas fighting wars is so much. However, she was surrounded by other women whose husbands were with him, whose, even if their husbands were not there, they were taking care of each other. There's a village in military that doesn't exist in the fire world. And we have to start finding those villages. We have to start supporting each other more. Um, and, and you need to know that, that even though you don't have a husband coming home and telling you that you did a great job every day, um, you don't probably have a mom down the street to come and help you do things. If you do, that is amazing, but it doesn't make it any less difficult. Um, I just didn't have anybody like I, I was just in it and I needed to hear that I was doing an amazing job. Um, I didn't know that I needed to, but looking back, I just, you know, one of my best friends has her mom in town. Her husband is in the military, um, but she just had her second baby. And she's like, I don't know how you did this. I don't know how you did this. Like you were by yourself and you were doing this. And I'm like, yeah, I just did it but um, more recognition of how hard that is and just all of the things that you keep together, you know, every sporting events, tugging three kids along and schedules and everything else. And it's really, it's a lot. And um, 
Cal Fire has the highest divorce rate of any any profession in the state. And it's because wow. of it's because of not just what the men are going through, but what the wives are going through and the kids and everybody else. And then um, we call it re-entry. You know, these guys are going to war basically. And the things that they see, it's just insane. Like I, there are some things that I'm only now hearing about from my husband, you know? And so it's no wonder. And I don't think that like as wives, there's not enough community in these fire services. Individual departments are better. Like city departments are much better. They go on camping trips. They do, Cal Fire is so spread out. Forest Service is so straight up, spread out that there's not this community. And um, I mean, they come home and we call it re-entry. It's like, they're not actually there for like a full day. Like they, they're not there with you, you know? And we, they come home to us and we want them to be like, it's like, take the babies, see you later. Like, I'm gonna go lay down, but they're not ready for that at all because they've just been at battle with things that we can't even imagine. And they have to have that time to like reset. And if you don't know that, you know? And, and look, it, it may not be fair, you know, it's like, you may be so ready after 11 days of doing it all by yourself. It may not be fair, but like psychologically, they're not capable of just jumping into that role for the most part. And it's something that we have to learn and talk to each other about and understand because otherwise you just hate the man who comes home and doesn't take responsibility for his family right away. And it's just, it's so complicated and it's so sad to me that our society still does not like, I mean, in my opinion, these men need to, it needs to be part of their job to attend therapy once a week. Like mm. they're seeing things, they're dealing with things, they're coming home to families that they are in charge at work and they come home to a house where they have no say over anything, you know? Is being run by somebody else. So it's just, it's, um, I think looking back, I wish that, you know, I had made more of an effort to be surrounded by other young moms. And um, I wish I had somebody telling me what a great job I was doing more, you know, and wow, so those are two great things. So good. So good. So important. And when we're in stores and we see the mom with the toddler who's temper tantruming or whatever, tell her, ask if she needs help. Tell her she's doing a great job because yeah. we've all had, you cannot be a parent and not have had that situation. Even if it wasn't in public, even if somehow you got lucky enough to only have your kids tantrum at home, we've all been there. And every time I hear babies crying or anything, I'm like, where do I need to go to help this mom? Or at least, yeah, you don't know me. So maybe that seems odd and you don't want to take help from a stranger or you feel inadequate. You're going through all these things. But if you're the mom, say yes and take the help from the stranger who is really sincere. And if you're a person out there who's ever had a child tantrum, which is a hundred percent of you, just, just telling her like, Hey, I've been there and you're doing great. Yep. So I'll important. never forget. I think, I don't know if I had all three kids or just my two oldest at the time, but I was frazzled and I'd seen this beautiful, just like angelic girl walking through the grocery store. And I remember thinking like, Oh, I'm never going to look like that again. She was just gorgeous and young. And I, and I go out and it was just a rough go, you know? And, um, 
I get to my car and she walks over and she's like, can I, can I put your groceries away? And I'm like, what? like, I'm like expecting so like something bad. Right. And she's like, yeah, just let me do it. I'll load the back of the car. I'll take the cart up. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> I start crying. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, like that is so simple, but it was like the kindest, most incredible thing that anybody had done for me. And I don't even know how long, like just because she wanted to like offer that help. And it's, we need to do more of that. We need to do more of that. Yeah. Tell, uh, tell people where they can find you. Cause you have a blog, you have a podcast, you have your website has everything in one place and they can click all the links about you. Um, some of your story, it's all there. Your Instagram, I have all the links. So, yeah. but tell people where they can find you. You can connect with me on Instagram. It's just Katie Ann Barnett at KT, the letters KT Anthony Barnett. And then levelafternext.org is my website where you can find kind of everything. Thank you so much for being on. Thank I you, just appreciate you so much being raw and honest. That's all I got. <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs>